Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. A Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. All right, the first rule of the happy jingle at the beginning of the show what's that is that we don't sing along with the happy jingle well, we do before the the <laughs> microphones are turned on I turned them on early sorry i do it pretty good i have that falsetto going <laughs> heart health radio this is as you imagine heart health radio this is the only show that sounds like this yeah on the radio live right now where you can call in and get an answer to your medical questions within reason. Dr. Yeah. Weefault's not going to diagnose. Well, here's here's the thing people need to know. Um, everybody asks me, you know, how do you treat diabetes when you're a heart doctor? And so what I try to tell them is that I went to Johns Hopkins for medical school for four years. Learned mm-hmm. about everything, but not mm-hmm. all that great. And then I did internal medicine. What's internal medicine, people say? Well, that is everything to do with an adult body and an adolescent body. So we learn neurology. We learn pulmonology. We learn nephrology. So head, lungs, kidneys, gut. And then we subspecialize. And so a cardiologist is not someone who went from medical school to cardiology school. It's somebody who learned about everything and then decided to subspecialize Mm -hmm. in things about the heart. Well, Johns Hopkins taught me a lot. In fact, I would say this. If you're listening, Johnny Hopkins, you did a good job, Johnny. Good. Because I love the whole body in terms of how it impacts upon the heart. Right. And you think about it, 70% of what we do as doctors now is heart-related. So, Oh, really? Okay. Internal medicine specialist means you can ask me anything you want, and if I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know, but Good. I'll bet you a dollar okay. that I know something about it. Okay. 919-860-9783. We're going to talk about masks or no masks and what edu- what's our educated guess and what's our science on it. Yep. There's a CDC report that sounds bad. NBC News put it out and it said, oh, it sounds bad, but it's actually good news. I think so. All right. And uh, uh, Dr. Fauci at the ballpark. Take me out to the Fauci. It was not the best look for him when, yeah. No, yeah. when he threw the pitch. That's really stunk. It was really it was bad. And you know, he comes up with an excuse. I threw my arm out practicing. That's right. Oh, of yeah. course he did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you had an email this week from a, a fellow by the name of Harold who yeah. is interested in a lot of different things. Well, three particular handle. issues that I think really hit home for the pandemic. And he wrote me an email, uh, Harold, Harold Gordon. My dad's name was Harold. Hmm. He went by Hal. You, you notice that? How we felt, yeah. Anyway, um, he wanted to know uh, this mask issue, which I think is a really good question. Are there double-blind randomized trials, which is what we've talked about here? You know, you take 10,000 in one set and 10,000 in the other set. You give 10,000 masks and you give 10,000 people no mask. Right. And then you follow them along and see who gets COVID. So that would be the definitive way to know that masks work. Now, okay. Harold... There haven't been any studies like that. Number one, because it would be almost nigh impossible to know whether someone was wearing a mask correctly or not. So you just say mm-hmm. the mask group versus the unmasked group. Now, nobody's done that. And perhaps we should have, but no, there aren't. Now, Harold, what are what is the proof 
that masks actually help. And I am a mask person. Now, I'm not a crazy mask person, which is the people in their cars <laughs> driving by themselves wearing masks. That's, That's crazy. a little much. That's yeah. a little much. Okay. And the people walking outside 20 feet away from somebody wearing a mask. Now, I don't think that will will help. Now, could I be wrong? Yes. Um, the masks prevent what we call massive aerosolization. Okay. You've, you've smelled somebody's bad breath from 10 feet away before. Mm. Okay. That means that you're getting what came out of their mouth in your nose. Because if you smell it, you got it. Oh, gosh. Okay. So... What a mask does, a cloth mask, is it reduces that aerosolization to about six inches. That's okay. been proven. They okay. measured that. So it makes sense, Harold, that masks can prevent the spread. Now, unfortunately, it only works if everyone's wearing a mask. Because the mask, as we said before, protects them from you, not you from them. Right. Unless you're wearing an N95. So an N95 means that 95% of virus particles or dust or chemicals are being absorbed by the mask and not getting into your schnoz. So I wear an N95 mask. You can buy them, and if you buy them on Amazon or anywhere else, you're not taking them from the medical professionals. They now have enough, no matter what CNN says, medical professionals have enough N95 masks. Okay. Okay, so where is the evidence that masks work? He asked about China. Now, the communist nation of the People's Republic of Massachusetts, I mean China. (laughs) um, Oh, come on. You know the difference between Massachusetts and China. Well, really? I don't know. (laughs) They They all wear red bandanas. They speak Mandarin in China. And they love Chairman Mao. I mean, you know. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, they did not wear masks in the beginning because... The Chicom government, the Chinese Communist government, initially said it, there was no human-to-human transmission. Mm-hmm. That the only way you could get it is eating, you know, a, a bat in the uh, wet market. Well, then they put masks on. And if you believe the government, they controlled their outbreak pretty well. And then they had another outbreak in Beijing, which my mom called Peking. That's what it used to be called. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Anyway, that was a British way of pronouncing it. Anyway. They quickly tamped that down right. by masks, and the other thing was contact tracing. Right Now, what's the place that tells us that we think masks work? That's Taiwan. Now, Taiwan didn't believe the Chinese Communist government because they got burned by the initial SARS, which was more lethal than this SARS. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as they knew it was coming, they stopped travel. They tested everybody. If you were contact traced... Um, you got put in and quarantine ward. You didn't go home. Mm-hmm. And everybody, Confucian, good Confucianists as they were, um, because they don't want to hurt anybody else. You know, don't do unto others, which you would not have someone do unto you. Now, I don't know the Chinese pronunciation or, you know, Jingzhao, you know, something, something like that. There's some but anyway, sure. so they all don masks and they all don good face masks made of cloth. Now, why do they have those? Because they do that every time. If somebody has a cold, they'll wear a mask I did not on their this. own. Yeah. So if you look at um, Taiwan in the middle of the flu season, about half the people are wearing masks. They're doing that on their own to protect other people. So if you look at Taiwan of a country of you know 23 million people, they've had seven deaths. Now, I talked six months ago, I mean, not several months ago, that they had six deaths. Yeah. 
Well, since that time, they've had and, one more. And a guy. Now, the other thing that this seg, how do you pronounce that? Segue? Segway? Segway. Segway. You're like talking a, about the two-wheeled no, bicycle thing? No, it sort of goes into S-E-G-U-E. Seg- yeah, same anyway, thing. Segway. No, yeah. This means that it goes into another story. And oh. the other story is that the CDC has determined that most people got the coronavirus not at work, not at Harris Teeter. They got it at home. Now, why is that? There's a little bit of spread outside, and then those people come home. Right. Or, best yet, you know, you're positive. You don't need to go to the hospital. What do they do? They send you home. Right. And then everybody in the house gets it. Sure. Because there's no way if you're confined. Even if you go in your bedroom, what circulates air? The AC, the air conditioning. Right. So what Taiwan did was say, no, you no go home. You go in a quarantine. Yeah. And so it worked. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing that I think people out there should know. If you're going to be around a place where people aren't wearing masks and you want to wear one to protect them Mm -hmm. from you, reverse it. Protect you from them. Go buy a certified from the FDA. Right. And 95 masks. You can get them and wear it. Okay. So that's what I'm saying about masks now. So in answer to the question, mask or no mask, you say mask. mask. But Harold's right. I can't prove it. I can only give you, uh, what's it called, circumstantial evidence. And Taiwan is the place. But you're right, Harold. It's not been studied scientifically. Thanks for now, the email. Here's another important question. We have time? Sure. He wanted to know, and I think there's a conspiracy out there, and I'm not, I'm not accusing Harold of conspiracy, that all these positive tests are because the test isn't specific for corona, COVID-19, mm-hmm. but coronavirus. So coronavirus is everywhere, and there are many distinct patterns that are similar to all coronaviruses. So what if we're just testing for the common coronavirus protein? Well, hey, everybody's had a cold, so everybody be positive by antibodies. Right. But this test that I perform, that I stick up people's noses and wiggle it around, is called a PCR test. Now, yes. what does that mean? It is specific for the, the very unique protein on COVID-19. So the answer, Harold, is these tests up the schnoz and the antibody tests are specific for this virus. That's the pandemic virus. Okay. So there's no way we're overestimating by testing for all coronavirus types. Okay. We have time for a third question? Sure. Okay. He wants to know if there's been studies on pre-existing conditions. So they haven't done the test where they take a diabetic, an overweight person with heart disease and infect them and see if they get more infected than, say, somebody who's a runner who's 22 years old. No, they haven't done that test. But if you look at the people who have died, right, the vast majority – and I can't give you a percentage, I expect it's 70%, 60%, have had one of these pre-existing conditions. And then if you look at these young people who are getting it and having the sniffles or nothing, (laughs) they don't have those pre-existing conditions. So one of the ways that has been suggested is that let everybody else go to work except the ones who have pre-existing conditions. Now, that makes sense except the kids who of these people or friends of these people who can get it asymptomatically yeah. will bring it to their house and infect them. So I say we do, we should have done what Taiwan did. 
Everybody wore masks. Contact tracing. As soon as you're positive, you're locked up. Say, and I'm not talking yeah. about a prison. Yeah. But you find a place like all these hospitals that were built in the meadows of Central Park. Mm-hmm. Build quarantine centers. Make it nice. Give them TVs. You know, let a them big screen. Yeah, a big screen, 4K. Okay. All right, 4K. And, and feed them good food. I want Netflix, and I also want the, the British TV Apple channels. T- oh, BritBox, Apple Britbox, TV. Yeah. I just saw a great movie, oh, yeah. Greyhound. Yeah, oh, really? I highly recommend I seen it. it. Well, if you're a World War II freak like me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to talk more about COVID, but we're also going to talk about topics that are non-COVID. We always do. We always do. Well, there's, we didn't for a while. There's a, there's a headline... <laughs> I, I'm going to borrow the article from you and read the headline okay. about something called renal denervation. Holy mackerel, I've been studying up on renal denervation for years, and finally I can talk about it on the radio. I'll explain it. I have not the slightest idea what this is. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. You can listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at WPTF.com or, and this is easier, just keep listening to your radio right now. Yep. And you'll be listening to the show. Heart Health Radio, the shame segment includes something that, I, you know, if you were going to get an operation, you'd need the cooperation of the people who own the hospital. Yes. And this is something that I just discovered. I'm kind of upset about it. Um, some surgeons will use an assistant. A lot of them do. But most of the time, those assistants are employees of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, now there are assistants who are freelancers. And some of them work, you won't believe it, they work for like um, uh, private equity companies. I'm not kidding. And they'll charge sometimes more than the surgeon will. What do they do? Uh, I don't know. Um, pass the mail? Well, you know, yeah. I have no idea. Okay. Okay. Uh, but, you know, sometimes they'll hold something or they'll say, oh, I just lift that suture and stuff sure. like that. Or sometimes I guess they'll do more. I mean, when I was doing pacemakers and that's a surgery, I never needed an assistant. I mean, I had a scrub nurse. Right. But if you do open heart surgery, a lot of times they have another surgeon there who will, um, you know, assist in the cutting and sewing. Okay. Here's the problem. that a lot of these aren't a network for your insurance company. So there are people now getting surgery, and it's paid for, except they're deductible, and then they get a bill from an independent contractor for $3,000. Right. And they're going, what? And the guy says, well, I wasn't in your network, so you got to pay me directly. So then they get sent to collection agencies by these people. Oh, sure. Yeah. So here's the thing you need to do, and this is my advice. If you're going to have surgery, like a knee replacement, mm-hmm. a gallbladder taken out, uh, which is called a cholecystectomy, or, you know, you're going to have a brain surgery or something like that. Question you ask your surgeon. Obviously, are you in network? Sometimes even the surgeons aren't in network. Yeah. Then ask if the anesthesiologist is in network. Okay. Obviously, you're going to want to know your hospital is in network. But then ask the surgeon if he's going to use a surgical assistant. Right. And he's got to tell you yes or no. And then you say, well, is this guy paid by the hospital, by you, or is he an independent contractor? And is he in network? This is another thing that we have to remember. And you need to do that at the consultation right. visit, mm-hmm. not when you're half naked 
with right. the anesthesia Saying, uh, sign yeah. this right sign, sign this. this that's crazy stuff right. listen art in raleigh thank Hello. you very much for calling what can we do for you yeah i've got an interesting situation i'm a 70 year old person yes and sunday i was at home sitting in a chair reading i just taken off my socks and all of a sudden it feels warm where my feet are i look down and there's a pool of blood down there Ooh. um what? And I fell for it, and I found it one leg, and it was it was just not pouring. It was pouring out. I'd say maybe a half inch. Wow! So I ran to the bathroom, put a, a paper towel on it, and just sat there. My wife called nine one one, and they came out, and uh, they when they by the time they got here, it, it uh, they bandaged it. Right. And uh, they said. It looked like it was a varicose vein that ruptured, and one gal said she'd seen it a couple times before. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you asked this question. This is, I mean, you must have ESP, because this week I discussed this with a patient. Really? So what you had was a varicose vein. Do you have a lot of ropey things on your legs? I've got a lot of varicose veins on my legs. Right. And matter of fact, I went to my doctor Monday, as as they requested. She looked at it, and we... Had the nursery bandage it, which is fine, and she said she's going to set up something with a varicose vein right. specialist somewhere. Right. Okay. I'm going to call back. Fantastic. Find out how serious this is, and how often does it occur? It, it occurs more than we would like, um, and I tell my patients you have these, and usually it's the really big ones that will what we call spontaneously rupture. For example, under pressure. So if you have tight socks. Or if you have a shoe that happens to hit it, so you're walking and you push it and you push it. Or, you know, you get a piece of grass in there and, and slices it. You know what? Under the worst situation of this, we talked about this probably six months ago. A lady had chickens, okay? And she was walking around her chicken coop. And one of the roosters, who was quite feisty, sure. went up and pecked her leg. And pecked on a huge varicose vein, which bled her to death because she didn't know what to do. You know, and wow. so let me tell you, let me give you the name of a really good group. Okay, I don't usually do this. I'm not being paid to plug them, but Carolina Vascular, um, they fix these. And there's two ways to fix them. One is you have about 20 veins in your leg, and there's some big ones, real deep by the bone. Mm-hmm. And if they're leaking, and by that I don't mean leaking outside the body, but blood is only supposed to flow one way mm-hmm. in a vein. If the valves that control that one-way flow are busted, mm-hmm. the pressure builds up and the veins pop out because of pressure. Sometimes fixing that big vein by destroying it and allowing other good veins to take over the flow mm-hmm. will help reduce the size of the varicose veins. Sometimes that doesn't work, and they can actually stick a needle in, and they, and they give a high dose of saline, and mm-hmm. it collapses those veins. Because you don't really need those big ropey veins. You've got other veins that'll work too. Now, if this happens to you, you have a big ropey varicose vein and it starts bleeding, just put your hand on it. Just and don't let go. Right. Because yeah, it's pressure. Years, as I said, by the time the people got here, it had stopped when they, they looked at it and started to manage it up and it had stopped. Yeah. So But a lot of times they won't until about twenty minutes. Because the flow is so big. Now, if you go to Wa- if you still have them, I recommend you go to Walmart or uh, CVS. Maybe want to call them first and get this stuff called Quick Clot. Q U I K, not C K, 
C-L-O-T. Now, what that is is a bandage. It's gauze, but it's a special gauze because mm-hmm. it's, it's infused with a substance you find in clay from Georgia. Yeah. The midnight train to Georgia. It's called calocrine, and it's just a mineral, and that mineral induces clotting. So I, I got my first aid kit at home. I probably should carry it with me. Yeah, give me the name of that again. That yeah, Q-U-I-K, like that. quick clot, C-L-O-T. All right. And then you just slam that thing on there and hold it. It will induce more clotting. Now, they say, what if I get a blood clot in that big ropey vein? That's okay. The only blood clots that that are worrisome for traveling to your lungs and causing a pulmonary embolus are the deep veins, the ones I talked about that are big and and can leak. Mm-hmm. So, quick clot. If you don't have that, just put your hand on it. Now, uh, hopefully, you call nine one one with your other hand. Sometimes you can't. No, my wife called nine one one. Good for her. That means she loves you. Listen, we've got to break this up, Art. I hope that helps. Yeah, just how often does this occur? This is the first time I've... Okay. Yeah, it may happen again. It doesn't happen very much. Okay. This is Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Coming up on the show, we've got Rose Hoban from North Carolina org. Interesting things in the news. Of course, we're going to talk about the state's response to covid 16,000 restaurants not coming back. It's sad. It's sad. Two of my favorite ones are gone. What's that? Uh, Piola in yeah. North Hills. Yeah. Gone. Pizza place, Italian food. I yeah. got kicked out of there once, so <laughs> I wouldn't leave when the fire alarm <laughs> went off. <laughs> and he took my plate of food away. <laughs> but, you know, he was right. I was wrong. Right. All right. Rose Hoban, welcome to the program. I'm so glad you joined us. This is Heart Health Radio. Hey, Rose. Hey, Dave. How are you, how are you doing? Hi, Doc. Hey, Doc. Uh, she's actually a nurse. She's I not know, a doc, but, but you know what? She's an honorary doc. Honorary Nurses doc? are the best. Yeah. Bless your cotton socks. Yeah. Uh, Rose, the um, good writing from Ann Blythe on the Coronavirus Today update, and there has been a call from the Mexican and Guatemalan consulate leaders to expand Medicaid. Am I correct in the interpretation here? Well, I mean, they, they called for a lot of things. They called for folks in the Latino community to really get on the stick about, um, you know, doing things like wearing masks and doing what they can. But they also pointed out that a lot of these folks kind of don't have the ability to socially distance at work. You know, right. you work in a meat packing plant. Um, and, uh, you know there is a um, there is a call from a lot of folks to uh, expand Medicaid just because now you have all these. We talked about this last week. You have all these new people who lost their jobs and lost their employment sponsored insurance along with it. Right. Um, and you know North Carolina, even before the pandemic, we had one of the nation's highest rates of uninsurance. Um, and I think I mentioned last week that the, the data on uninsurance lags because it's, it's hard to collect this information. So, you know, in 2019, we know that, uh, according to the census, we had 12% uninsured and I'm sure it's, a, I'm sure it's higher than that now. Yeah. So, um, and you know, I, I've been talking to, uh, independent, uh, family docs for a story that I'm doing on how 
doctor's offices are, are doing. And a lot of them are worried about, you know, more of their, like, because as you know, Dr. Weefault, like, you have to have a payer mix, right? You're looking for some commercial payers, and you'll have some Medicare and some Medicaid, and, you know, some payers pay better than others, and then you'll have folks who are uninsured, and then you're having to work it out with them, like, what they can pay. And these docs are starting to see more uninsured patients. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, so part of the part of the objection to Medicaid expansion has been, well, you know, docs, do rightfully complain that Medicaid pays less than commercial, but it pays more than nothing. Well, (laughs) you know, let me just tell you this. Um, I got a raise from Medicaid, and so in some things, I'm getting paid more by Medicaid than I am by Medicare. I'm telling you the truth, and Mm -hmm. people don't realize that. But the other thing, Rose, is what I do. If I, I used to, before the Obamacare cuts, I got cut 40%. By across the board on January 1, 2010, because they thought cardiologists were greedy. And I used to treat people for free before that. I mean, if somebody didn't have any money, I said, come on down. But now I can't. And so I charge, and I can't say how much, because that would be uh, a knowledge that perhaps I'm charging less than Medicare. And I'm going to say perhaps not. But I charge a reasonable fee, and people pay it. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they think about it, it's much less than paying $800 or $1,000 a month for a health insurance plan. The only difference exactly. is, of course, they get uh, hospitalization mm-hmm. and they get medicines. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. let me tell you, you can save so much more money by not going through your insurance plan and going through GoodRx. And you can save 70% because the insurance plans charge you more mm-hmm. for your co-pays on some medicines than GoodRx charges for cash pay. But, I, I, Rose, I agree with you. It's a tough problem. Um, I'm not it, a political it, it, guy in terms of knowing whether – I am a political guy, but I can't tell you whether expanding Medicaid would work or not. Um, it would certainly put a burden on the North Carolina government, which has to pay half – of Medicaid. No, mm-hmm. actually, for expanded for anyone who would be swept in under expansion, the feds pick up ninety percent of the cost. Yeah, but then that sounds so, good. So yeah. you know more than I do about it. Um, and I'm she's glad been you, covering medicine for yeah, a long no, time. No, and I'm glad that uh, you know I brought it up and you you made that point. I think you know I don't know. All right, Rose. Last year, uh, can, can I just say last year I, oh. I wrote a story and I looked at all Republican. Uh, led states that expanded Medicaid. Right. It was a story called What Happens When a State Expands Medicaid. It's really interesting. Places like Ohio, Montana, Louisiana, and um, their states ended up saving money in no small part because a lot of folks who were uninsured, in particular with mental health issues, were able to get covered by Medicaid expansion. So the state wasn't paying out of pocket for those right. folks. They were getting covered by Medicaid. So anyway, but I'll, I'll let you go. Rose, Listen. I want everybody to go to yes. NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org and read about pandemics and hurricanes. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, well, what are we going to do when they're all confined? It's a, it's, a tough, it's a tough issue. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, fellas. I'll see you next week. Absolutely. Right, yeah, they got a good article on, you know, how do you shelter? How do you shelter? Do? What are they going to do? Give me shelter. What are they going to do? Oh, they're going to they're going to spread people out. They're going to occupy buildings in a greater way where they oh, used to wow. put people in a gym. 
Uh-huh. They're going to spread them farther out because nobody's going to sleep. Are they going to hand out? I'm masks? sure they will. Yeah, I'm sure they will. They better have hand cleaning stations everywhere. Uh, earlier, I, I tried to introduce this about this transgender hysterectomy yes. issue and Catholic hospitals. If I was, if it was, if I wanted to get transgender sexual gender reassignment right. surgery. The last place in the world I would go would be a Catholic hospital. Right, and so this is the point that really gets my goat, okay, mm-hmm. is that they can go somewhere else. It's it, Okay, they could, you know, and I, 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 I love transgender people. I know a lot of transgender people, mm-hmm. and they're wonderful people. But if you're a female previously transgendering to a male, and they want their hysterectomy. They want their uterus taken out. Why go to St. Joseph's Hospital in Baltimore, that is a Catholic hospital, and bang on the door and say, you must perform this hysterectomy? Now, they've turned the patient down. Right. And that patient is suing. Right. And I I think that the, and again, I don't care if you're right wing, left wing, uh, you're wingless. Yeah. This should be an issue for you. Can you force somebody to do something that they have a moral quandary to do? And it could happen on the left wing, too. And it could happen to a left wing hospital. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but some right winger come in and say, do this, and they don't want to do it, and then they get sued. So where does discrimination take place? You can't discriminate against sex, I suppose. But, you know, I I worked at a hospital, uh, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catholic hospital, and they did not perform um, uh, what should we call it uh, yeah. sterilization procedures. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because the Catholics don't believe in that, and you can't blame them. I mean, that's their religion, and so my feeling would be that they should not be able to force a hospital to perform a hysterectomy when it is against the Catholic religion. Period. It was against the religion because the. Catholic Church teaches that you shouldn't remove a healthy, healthy organ. organ. And they, right. it had nothing to do with the person's gender reassignment. Right. Except, of course, it was a part of the gender reassignment. Right. All right. Telephone number 919-860-9783. There's a CDC report that I read, and the headline sounded so bad, and you said, no, it's good news. Yes. The CDC reports that there were a lot more people who have had COVID. Right. And why is that good? Well, let me, okay, so what they did, they started doing these antibody tests. And what is an antibody test? It means you had it. Yeah. And you've developed an immunity to it through these little antibodies that are Y-shaped proteins that nab the virus and lets the other immune cells kill it. Mm -hmm. Ten times the number of reported cases of active positives by the Schnoz test. Wow had antibodies. So what does that mean? That means over 40 million people in the U.S., and that is a lower estimate, have had the coronavirus. And this is the strangest thing about this disease. Most people are asymptomatic. Most people are immune. Right. They get it, and they don't get sick. Why is it a good thing that so many people had it? Because that means the death rate is so low. Now, we're talking in Britain of a death rate of 15%. In the United States, it's about 4%. And I'm going to tell you that's because of our healthcare system, okay? Sure. It is. Sure. We're great. We innovate. We do things off the spur of the moment, off you know the cuff. Right. And that helps. 
but that drops it down to 0.3%. Okay. That's a really low death rate for a, quote-unquote, vicious pandemic, quote-unquote. 0.3% is not losing 3% of the people. It's losing 3 out of 1,000. 3 out of 1,000. And so the flu is 1 out of 1,000. So mm-hmm. it's less, but it's on the same order of magnitude. Mm-hmm. If it were 4% for COVID, which is what's published mm-hmm. based on the test of active disease, right. the Schnaz test, I like to call it, then that's an order of magnitude bigger. That's 10 times as deathly as the flu. Okay. But what we're talking about is 0.1% for the flu, 0.3% for COVID. So what this means is, is that, sure, you don't want to get it. Because there's a three in a thousand chance of dying from it. But we don't have to be as hysterically panicking. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. One tenth of the people listening to this program have had it. Wow. One tenth. Okay. At least. Please wear your mask. <laughs> Telephone number. Call your mask. In fact, wear your mask while you dial 919 860 9783. Wear your mask while you're on the phone with us. Please do call up. If you have a question about medicine that's in your cabinet, or if you have a question about medicine you're taking, you've forgotten what it's for. Or if your doctor has not explained it to you. Right. I will. Call. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. This is Heart Health Radio. You know you make me wanna kick my heels up and down. You know, some people do. They just make you want to shout. Dr. Weefald, who do we have in the shout-outs today? I have a very special friend who I'm not going to uh, give her name yeah. uh, for privacy reasons. That, that she knows who she is, and she knows that I know her very well. And she is um, suffering from big-time anxiety. She's had an anxiety situation. That is a medical condition. Okay, mm-hmm. that is a wiring problem in the brain. It is not because she wasn't breastfed. You know, it wasn't because she's a bad person, and she's struggling with self medication. And that's what I want to let people know that a lot of people who use alcohol or use other medicate other common substances are self medicating for anxiety. Yeah. Now she is working on the problem very very hard. She is just an amazing person, mm-hmm. and I want to shout her out. And let her know that her family loves her, we love her, and we're on her side. Yeah. And there's no judgment. There's no negative feelings about this at all. She, We have her back. And just to let her know, she's if she's listening, that we love her and we're going to help her get through this. That's great. There's a story, I think, out of the U.K. of yeah. two young kids mm-hmm. who doctors said early on in their life they had about a 2% chance to live beyond childhood. And they just graduated from high school. Wow. And they're best buds. And I think, you know, it's a great story because, you know, the answer is you never give up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may not make it, but you never give up. And these families said that their lives were worth living. And they devoted themselves to getting these two boys beyond that 2% window and they graduated from high school. And they're best buddies. They hang out together. And, you know, who knows? They may have a secret communication right? that nobody understands. I mean, there are people in comas. And when they do an active MRI, which shows brain activity, right. they're conscious. So 
Never think that somebody who is disabled has a life that is not as worth it as yours. Yeah, you that is a slippery slope. Right I'm there. telling you. And there's so many of these, you know, ethicists. Yeah. You know, Pete Singer is one that is in, at my college at Princeton. Who, who thinks that we should be euthanizing these people? Mm-hmm. And I tell you, it's terrible, and especially when you see mm-hmm. the productive lives that come out of very disabled people. And I guess I'm using a bad word now, politically challenged. Let's call them challenged. Okay. All right. You, we've been teasing it, and I know several people are listening just now to find out what renal denervation is, but even more important – it can help with blood pressure. And so we got a simple problem, yeah. high blood pressure. I've got a lady on nine blood pressure medications, and I get a call from the pharmacist. Say, you're an idiot. Why is she on nine blood pressure medications? Wow. Because her blood pressure is still not controlled. And there are individuals who either can't take medicines, and so their blood pressure is uncontrolled. And believe me, there are people who can't take medicines for some reason. Yeah. They just get a bad reaction almost every single one. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who take nine medicines and their blood pressure is still under control. So renal, that means kidney, okay? Okay. We call it the beans because they look like kidney beans. Yeah. That's why kidney beans are called kidney beans. They're shaped like anyway, a kidney. renal means okay. the beans, kidneys. And denervation, what does that mean? Now, the nerves to the arteries of the kidney apparently are really big. In terms of controlling blood pressure. Okay. So just imagine this artery is a pipe coming off your aorta, which is a bigger pipe, and the blood flows from the aorta through these kidney arteries into the beans yep. where it filters out the urine. Mm-hmm. Well, the kidneys control blood pressure by the holding on to sodium, which raises the volume of blood. It can raise your blood pressure. But there's also something about the constriction and contraction and constriction and contraction of the size of the artery going into the kidney. So some dude or lady thought, well, let's see if we can destroy those nerves and maybe control the blood pressure. So they took a catheter, which is a long tube, that had a piece of metal on the end, yeah. and then they put it in the kidney artery. They go through your leg artery. The thank femoral you. artery goes thank up you for to that the detail. Yeah, they don't you. go through the yes, other gotcha. origin to the no. kidney. Mm-hmm. And then they zapped the nerves, just a gentle amount of electricity, not to destroy the artery. but to destroy the nerves, and it worked. There was a big controversy because a lot of guys and gals, I guess, didn't want this to work, and so they downplayed it. Well, they finally did a huge study, and it works. So to the listeners out there, if you have blood pressure that's not controlled and you're taking medicines to the hilt Mm -hmm. or the medicines they've tried don't work, call Duke, call UNC. I don't know if they do it at Wake Med. Um, I don't know if you do it at Rex. I don't know if you do it at Duke Raleigh. But ask them. Or ask your doctor, can you be referred? Yeah. Because it seems to help. And I think that high blood pressure is a cause of heart failure. It's a cause of stroke. It's a cause of bleeding in the brain. And I'm very excited. You know why? Why? Because I had a woman who was turned down uh, about five years ago saying, it doesn't work. She's going to get fixed now. And we'll see. I mean, she hasn't been fixed yet. A surgical solution for blood pressure. Blood pressure. Oh, and it thing. seems to work in a lot of individuals. What is beta-1 interferon? All right, beta-1 interferon. When we talked about cytokine storms. Yeah. Those are chemicals that are released by the 
immune cells in response to an infection. And when mm-hmm. you get a cytokine storm, there's too much. Mm-hmm. You get fluid in your lungs, etc. Well, beta-1 interferon is a regulator. It's a protein that was first discovered in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And it seems to have a lot to do with immunity. Well, I'll never forget. Because I'll never forget this. When I was at the NIH... Uh, between uh, semesters at Princeton, I worked in a research firm there, and firm, a research lab. They're yeah. not a firm. They're run by the NIH, the U.S. government. Anyway, this guy told me that his original research was on beta-1 interferon, and he said it cured the common cold. Hmm. I said, what are you talking about? Yeah, you get the sniffles, and we tested, and you had a common coronavirus or a rhino virus. The rhino means nose. It's not the rhino of the jungle, not mm-hmm. the jungle, the plains. Anyway, he said, you, you just sniffed it up your nose, and within an hour, your symptoms were gone. Cure mm-hmm. for the common cold. Yes. So remember they always say there's no cure for the common cold? There is. There is. But the problem was one dose of beta interferon at that time cost like $100,000. Yeah. $100,000 in 1977 was $100,000. It was real money. Yeah, now it's like I carry 100000 in my pocket because oh, sure of inflation. Oh, sure you do. Anyway. Don't. So they said, well, wait a minute. These same people said, what about squirting beta interferon in someone's schnoz who has COVID? Right. 79% got better. Wow. 79% did not progress to, you know, the horrible cytokine storm on the ventilator thing. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much beta-1 interferon costs, but what does this show? This shows that the U.S. of A is an awesome place for medicine. Right. Because you had all these people want to make a billion dollars. So they say, I'm going to come up with a cure for this. Yeah. And they also have physicians who don't want to make a billion dollars, but who are very, very knowledgeable. And they're in the ICUs. And they're saying, what about suppressing the immune system with a rheumatoid arthritis drug? What about yeah. hydroxychloroquine? That's yeah. how it started. Not, yeah. not Donald Trump. It was those physicians in the ERs and in the ICUs. I'm going to get a Winnebago. And we're going to outfit it with a lab, and we're going to make beta-1 interferon. Is it ferron? You know, you know how much it takes to do that? No. No, no, no. There's it nothing. would not take a village. Nothing it you could. It takes an entire National Institutes of Health from, to produce one ounce of beta interferon. No. From what I've seen, you can cook beta-1 interferon. <laughs> it's not like meth, okay? And anything else, just in the back of a... A Winnebago. <laughs> what about what about an Airstream? It's yeah, there. There oh, are yeah, better, better. There are companies that are producing stuff in Airstreams. That's the <laughs> truth. Okay, Doctor Fauci, through if you can call it that, through the first pitch at the Nationals game, and then went up in the stands, sat elbow to elbow with two other people, right, and was photographed without a mask on. All right, now, uh, okay. Dr. Fauci made a big mistake. He's made a big mistake because he doesn't realize the cameras are on 24-7. Okay? He was he pulled his mask off to take a sip of water and put it right back on. Yeah. But what happened? In that instant, he didn't have the mask on. They took his picture and put it on the net. Should he have been, it's not fair. No, it's not fair. It's should, not fair. Should he have been elbow to elbow with uh, If they all were tested the day before. Yeah and we're negative, or that morning, which you can do, mm-hmm. then it's okay. In fact, they could have sat around without a mask side by side. Now, let me tell you, you can't say anymore that you throw like a girl, right? <laughs> that is sexist. <laughs> I hate it. You throw like Fauci? You throw like a Fauci. You throw like a... 
Yes, Jimmy just threw a Fauci over the... <laughs> All right, we got to go. This is Heart Health Radio. We'll see you next week on this station. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.